Happy International Podcast Day! Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Erasable Podcast and Happy International Podcast Day! Yay! Yay. I'm Johnny Gamber and I can't think of any better way to spend this happy day than podcasting with my favorite podcasters in the entire world, Andy Welfley and Tim Wassum. How's it going, guys? Thanks, Johnny. Good. How are you? I I didn't even know this was International Podcast Day until (laughs) we already set the date. When yeah, I got so, the text from you saying it was International Podcasting Day, I was in the middle of being interviewed for some teaching magazine about our podcasting project. And to bring it up in the interview, like, oh, my friend just texted me that it's International okay, Podcast Day. How appropriate. I knew, I knew what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Skype locked me out tonight. Hacking in through my Chromebook. Yeah. And Johnny, you are stealing all sorts of identities and information today. <laughs> you pulled you a have pic- no idea. You pulled a picture of me wearing these like ridiculous sunglasses <laughs> from Katie's Instagram stories feed. <laughs> just a placeholder. Just a placeholder for the episode cover art. Which so now enough, that I say it, now we have to actually use permanent it. Yeah. placeholder. Yeah. yeah. You may call me Johnny Whistleblower Gamber. <laughs> I'm gonna out myself right now. Cutthroat. Yeah. Before I get charged with treason. <laughs> so before I get charged with treason tonight, we're going to talk about what we do with our notebooks and journals once they're full of writing. I think mostly ours are full of writing. Um, do you, we carefully archive them, scan them, shred them, or burn them in a ritual involving dancing and Dionysus? <sighs> but before we talk about archival papers and the cleansing erasures of fire, why don't we start like we always do with our tools of the trade? Yeah, you want to go first, Andy? Sure. Well, um, just started watching last night the fourth season, and I believe final season of the Dorals and Corfu, which I feel like yeah, we've please. we've talked about in in, in length here. Um, starts off starts off super strong. So um, it's funny because Jerry, um, like the youngest, and also whose books um, the show is based on, is basically like like a teenager now. Like he's real tall, and his voice has changed, and he just doesn't seem like the same kid. But that's what kids do. They grow. They get older. Yeah, I just got the books for my birthday from Frankie. Oh, nice. And like this enormous paperback volume. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to read those and see see how they like match up to the show. Like I'm, I'm sure the show is heavily, heavily fictionalized. Um, but it's just so charming. It's just so great. Um, we went to see uh, the Downton Abbey movie. <gasps> I saw it too. And, so good. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It just like... Just gives you that same feeling the girls in Corfu do, where there's not really like huge stakes. Like it's not like, you know, an Avengers movie where the entire fate of the universe rests on like <laughs> these people's That's hands. So... It's just, just like, oh my God, the king and the queen are coming for dinner, and our our butler <laughs> isn't available. What are we gonna do? <laughs> there was a uh, what's the beyond first world problems. Like what's the uh, <laughs> yeah. like what would be the next step above the that? One percent. One percent problems. Yeah. Yeah. My engraved letter knife is missing. Yes. <laughs> it had my regimental insignia on it. <laughs> Spoiler. Clutch his pearls. Um, yeah, the, uh, there was an SNL um, kind of send-off of, of uh, the Downton Abbey movie in the season premiere of Saturday Night Live, and they had like quotes from movie critics, and one of them was like, the stakes have never been lower. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I like so, that a New Yorker review didn't really review it. They're just like, this is funny. And that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like, hey, there's a movie of Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was like a very Cute. classic, like, Dame Maggie Smith was hilarious. And yeah, it's it's very, it's like a, you know, two-hour episode, basically. It was very good. I was disappointed that there wasn't a lot of John Bates action. It's true. Yeah, John and Anna were just like, you know, they were, we're definitely there, but it wasn't like they didn't really have any of their own drama, which always seems to happen um, like in the series. So yeah. nobody nobody was wanted for murder. Nobody <laughs> nobody may or may not have murdered anybody. <laughs> Shrimpy murder. didn't call anybody a cat. <laughs> right, yeah. Get down, you Shrimpy. cat. I love have you guys seen uh, Lady in the Van with Maggie Smith? Oh, yeah. no. Have I talked about this? Yeah. I've, I think a little bit. Have you? Okay. Yeah. I think I probably did it as a uh, fresh point or I mean a tool of the trade before but that's a, that's a really good movie yeah. <laughs> so I'll stop there since I already talked about it but <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet <laughs> highly recommend it and uh, I am writing um, I don't think I've started started any new books since we last recorded but I got quite a bit of the way through because internet um, which I was reading last time and I'm writing uh, still with my Palomino HB which is quite shorter it's reached it's about like half of a centimeter from the Steinbeck stage. So it's a really, really good size. Nice. Um, and I'm writing in my, um, and I'm also actually been writing a little bit with my green squire, my experiment, because it's such a lovely, lovely green. And I like to troll the Baron Fig fanatics. Um, <laughs> and I've been writing in my um, uh, field notes mile marker, the red, white, and blue one. Andy, do you have any uh, Baron Fig Squires for sale? Um, yes, yes, I do. I'll, I'll DM you. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that's it's getting quite. That's kind of becoming a buy sell trade group. I think once the collectors found out about the squires, it just like really heavily turned into a buy sell trade group. Where before it was just like, you know, people pairing their favorite, you know, like archers with their favorite confidants or something like that. But it's fine. It's that's the normal yeah. life cycle of, of a fan <laughs> yeah, say that's, yeah, I was I wish they talked about the, the circle books of life more. on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I know it's a it's a brand like Moleskin, but I think like Moleskin, their books are the best product. Yeah. I love the Squires. I think they're really gorgeous and I like the colors and I have more of them than I sort of care to admit as I mentioned last time. But <laughs> I I definitely think the confidants are kind of their their piece de resistance. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, what about you? What are you writing and consuming? I just finished season three of The Good Place, which is on Netflix because season four of The Good Place started last week. Hmm. So it was just the, the the first episode of season four, which is the final season of this as well. So they're just doing like a four season uh, four season plot. And yeah. it's my favorite show on TV still. I think it's just fantastic. And so I'll it's I've, I've never I don't remember the last time. Well, yes, I do actually. The last time I tried to watch a show like in real time with like commercials and everything was Madam Secretary, and I think we made it like three episodes. And then I was just like, I forget it. I'll watch it next year on Netflix, just because I like, you know, like with our, our kids would like wake up for two seconds and you'd go back and then you miss something, and it's like, well, I might as well just not watch it anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, until it, unless it shows up. Well, I guess now there's going to be that Peacock, NBC streaming thing which you could probably watch it on there but it is a it is such an incredible show it's so good and i actually there's a quote from the end of season three that like it's 
funny when you're watching like a comedy and then there's a quote that just like kind of blows your mind and makes you like <laughs> a better person, which I feel like that show does a lot. But I, yeah. there, I was watching season three and at the end of the episode, uh, Eleanor, Kristen Bell's character said, I guess I should just get used to the pandemonium, find happiness in the unique insanity of being here now. <laughs> and I thought that was like a really cool quote. And uh, anyways, but. Yeah. It's such a funny show. Like it just makes me belly laugh, which I I need these days. Yeah. So good place, season four. Uh, I've been reading. Uh, I don't know what what uh, prompted me to get back into this book, which I've mentioned before, but just something was drawing me back, and I I uh, started reading once again to Obama with love, joy, anger, and hope, which I've mentioned before. Uh, but it is a his director of correspondence. Yes, uh, yeah. published a selection of letters to him and his responses because he had this amazing practice of getting. I think it was eight letters a day uh, that they would give him, and it would always be like a spread of positive and negative. Uh, he like vastly more than any other president has ever done before. Um, yeah, have we? Have we talked about, I'm sure we have, uh, last time you mentioned it, but there's that um, episode of 99% Invisible yes. um, with her, and it's called 10 Letters to the President, and it's... 10, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of like, I think it kind of sets up the book and the premise, which I really do need to pick up that book. It looks really good. Yeah, Jane got it for me for Christmas, and I I really love it, and I, it's kind of a evening read, kind of read a few letters and read his responses, and it's very... Um, yeah, just very in- inspiring, and it's just like, and you get to, but it's not like sugarcoating anything. Where like even the negative, there are some letters that were like sort of on the negative side, and his response was like kind of short, you know, where he's, I mean, he's a little, he's sort of busy, but like yeah. where where he would just be like, I'm not, I'm, I'm paraphrasing heavily, but just being like, uh, nope, I disagree with you, and <laughs> <laughs> thanks for writing, you know, essentially, but like in an Obama sort of way. But and some of them are just really moving in his responses. Um, Arrest for treason. <laughs> Arrest for treason. <laughs> Congress should look into his Netflix deal. Um, so <laughs> it is, it's great. But, so I've been reading but that. But his letters. But his letters. Um, and then lastly, Sturgill Simpson, who I've talked about before. Yeah. Um, he's the uh, sort of country adjacent artist came out with his new album which is getting like crazy good reviews and it's called sound and fury and he got pretty famous with that last album a sailor's guide to earth which is the one that he was nominated for album of the year and the grammys and so he has been struggling with uh fame basically like getting attention uh for his music and like getting pressure to do certain things uh and so he came out with this album which is just kind of an enormous middle finger to uh the recording industry where he's just like nope i'm gonna do something totally different and it's like this weird it's like elo mixed with country mixed with like metal or something like some of it's like real heavy uh-huh. um, and it's super cool it's a really good album and it's really like even even the way every song starts is like the opposite of what a radio station would want <laughs> you know <laughs> uh-huh. it's just very clear that he's doing it on purpose but also something that's really cool and I haven't watched this yet um, when he was in the Navy he became a big fan of anime because he was stationed in Japan for a while mm. and so he teamed up with some renowned anime 
artist. And the same day the album came out, they released a uh, a 45 minute anime feature on Netflix called Sound and Fury. Um, hmm. That is uh, totally original in his music. the The entire album is the the uh, backing, like is the is the music for the for the movie. So I have not watched that yet, but it looks super cool. Yeah, and uh, I am writing with a Halloween, which is a Blackwing MMX with a uh, striped ferrule added onto it and an orange eraser. Ooh, Damn. nice! Just this is my Halloween, and uh, I am writing in. I just recently cracked open the Rocky Mountain National Park field notes. Nice. So, cool. how about you, Johnny? Um, so this weekend we finished season five of Shetland, which we've been binging from episode one. Um, I think it's airing on PBS, but the only way you can stream it, at least in the United States, is on BritBox. Do you guys have BritBox? No. Oh I should. my god! I should. It's it's so awesome. You should they have. Uh, just do the rest of this episode in a Scottish accent. <laughs> I can't do a good Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah. We need Eric. But, um, they um they have everything by uh, all the Doctor Who stuff and all of the um, Inspector Morse, which is cool. Oh yeah. And they don't really do shows that are on masterpiece for the most part, so it's it's different. I think it's only like seven bucks a month. But anyway, Shetland is like the Scottish version of um, Hinterland, which is on Netflix. Which is this really dark, like cop show in um, set in Wales, but um, it's really, really good. That's it. Like it makes it makes Chetland look beautiful, and now that's our twenty twenty escape plan. In case our country gets worse, uh, and there, I think it's like their their highest recorded temperature ever a hundred years ago was like eighty two degrees. Like I'm like I'm moving there. And it, it is September thirtieth here, and it is ninety. It was ninety three degrees outside today. Oh Lord! Yeah, you can Ooh. see the northern lights there. I'm not even going to say what the temperature was today. <laughs> Shut oh. up! I'm moving on. <laughs> the eternal so also, 68 degrees of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if you believe the show, everyone in Shetland drinks French pressed coffee. So I'll be right at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds and, right, Pirelli. Uh, yeah, and the other end of the uh, climate spectrum, I just read Call Me By Your Name, which is set on the Italian Riviera, like, I think the town is like 20 miles from France. So, uh, have you guys, I think it was a movie, it was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the film, I just saw, read the book. But um, it was really, really good. I think, at, how do I say this without being spoilers? At the beginning of the book, um, the narrator talks about how his love interest and he are not together. So it's not a spoiler to tell you there's a certain part where they're no longer together and they know what's going to happen. And that part is like really, really sad to read. Yeah. So that's got me bummed. So now we're watching Poldark in preparation for the new season, which dropped on the um, PBS Passport last night. Yay. Yay. Um, and I sent you guys this album from the Black Pumas. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know how to describe their music, but um it's a really, really good album. It's on Spotify where um everything is very it's not like raw, like the recording is bad, but the way the production is it's not glossy. It's like they sound like a live band playing in the next room and you have a really good um monitor speaker for it. Yeah. It's, I I would um I would describe it as well intentioned uh retro soul record. Hmm. Um playing as much for the head as for the heart. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, that's entirely me and not Pitchfork. 
describing yeah. it that way. <laughs> I appreciate them because they have a real bass player, not like a guitar player extra. So they gave him a bass and were like, hey, play bass. Yeah. So if you've been in a band, it reminds me of Alabama Shakes. Sure. Yeah. Um. And uh, so seasonally, I'm using a Blackwing 344, one of the greatest autumnal pencils ever made in a Field Notes National Parks Grand Canyon, because it's sort of autumnal looking. And when we jump on to Fresh Points. Fresh Points. Oh, I see two of my favorite names on Tim's. Tim, you want to go first? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm getting ready for fall break. Praise the Lord. Uh, Hallelujah. We're we are going uh, this Friday. Uh, fall break starts, and we are going to Florida to visit my parents and my cool. grandmother. And my parents, for a birthday present for both Jane and I, got us tickets for the Key West Express, which is a boat that sort of like gets us to Key West in like two hours. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go to the Hemingway House. <sighs> I'm jealous. Yeah. Can I come so I'm, yes, you can <laughs> absolutely. So, um, it's just like a we'll be there for like we'll be at Key West for like six hours, and then it brings us back. So it's just like a day trip. But um, we're, yeah, I'm super excited. So I'll be sending lots of pictures and blowing up. Take pictures of the cats for me, please. Yes, the six-toed cats or whatever. Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I will. I'll smuggle one back if I can. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, sort of sidestep to uh, I've been teaching Gatsby. So uh, sidestep to F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, I'm teaching Gatsby, and I've one for a long time like what kind of pencil he uses and so i just went on this like long internet wormhole where i was just like trying to figure it out and like what would people at that time period likely be using and especially like people in his circle or you know writer types at the time and i think i've got it narrowed down to something that is probably as close as i'm going to get to the same thing that he would have used and it is nothing fancy actually but it is a uh, Statler two millimeter lead holder. As far as I can tell from all my research and looking at different, uh, you know, images of writing utensils fr- from that time, I think that's probably as close as I can get to what he was using. I don't think he was using uh, a wood case pencil. I think that's what it was. And also, like going by, I mean, when you watch the Gatsby movie. They, when they hand Nick Carraway like a notebook to like write the story down, you've got to write it down or whatever. Um, it's this like very ornate gold mechanical pencil looking thing. Um, but is it, is it like one of those like telephone dialer pencils, like with the uh, kind of a doorknob looking end? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, pretty. Yeah, those are cool. It's one of those. So I, so I, I'm gonna at some point order the Statler Black two millimeter lead holder hmm. because uh, just to try it out and screw around with it. It's only like 12 bucks or something, but I think that is probably in the ballpark, but I'm going to keep researching. And if anything changes, then I will let you guys know, um, but I'm not going to buy a solid gold mechanical pencil. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so yeah. That is not my, not my thing, I guess. I'm into know. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Get me more dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. So yeah. So stay tuned for that. But I'm gonna order that, and I think that will be something to add to my various pencil shrines that I've created over the years to different writers that I admire. And uh, next would be I talked in the last episode about how I finally had ordered one of the Mitsubishi Uni, uh, Hayuni 
sharpeners. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And it's pretty fantastic. So remind me, neither of you have one, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, so um, to describe it, it is way cooler looking in person than even it is in pictures. Um, it's it's bigger than you think it's going to be. It's larger than a classroom friendly. Um, and it's all just, it's very kind of like tightly constructed and, and built together where uh, things like the drawer to capture the um, the shavings as opposed to the classroom friendly it is like airtight i mean it like clicks into place and there's no places in the back where it can like the dust can sort of like float out hmm. it is really well it'll together. preserve that cedar scent so you can pop oh, yeah. it open and just like inhale just it like a it. fresh fall day yes exactly yeah. um to wake you up in the morning inspire <laughs> you to write uh-huh. good so. to shaving and it definitely <laughs> the last shaving <laughs> it it definitely does have the uh, like rounded rubber stop like holders inside to to hold the pencil instead of putting the teeth marks in it. So it's all around great. I, I sent you guys, I think, some pictures of the differences between like that and the classroom friendly sharpener. And the main difference is, um, I think so. it puts just it put just just about as long of a graphite point on it. But the I think we call it the collar. Is that what the name we gave it for like the uh, the exposed wood section? Oh yeah, that's yeah. a racism. Is like is success or is like definitely longer than the uh, than the classroom friendly, which is kind of nice because you can mm-hmm. actually like grab onto it. For some people who like grip it right down at the bottom, it gives you more of like a exposed wood textured spot to grab onto it. So I like that a lot. Extra smell. Uh, and now I need yeah. It's probably I never noticed that, but <laughs> but I probably need to get another one now so I can have one at home and one at school. It's true <laughs> because it is weird to like go from that to the classroom friendly and back and forth. <laughs> How many floors in your house are there? Two. So you need another one for each floor. Probably one for the bathroom. Get one for yeah. the car too. <laughs> yeah. How many bathrooms do you have? <laughs> Three. Yeah. Okay. Sharp, sharpen while you while you poop. Yeah, you better yeah. get a case of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just start, I just get like sign on to a subscription service and be like, just send, me <laughs> once, just send me one a month for the next like Amazon subscription for ten to twenty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You forget to cancel every three it, months for the rest of my life. Christmas. <laughs> so I got really excited and started taking. I I like took out the uh, the cylinder like that's got the, the grinder on it and was trying to see if any of these like are interchangeable as far as the classroom friendly or the doll or any of these. And they're definitely not, but it was worth a job. Um, I love it. So I, th- I, th- I highly recommend it. I got the blue, which is kind of like a gray blue color, Ooh, which is nice. good. Um, and last thing for me is that we are recording episode one of season two of the membership on Yay. this Thursday. So Excellent. we launched a patreon for membership this this week kind of like quietly launched it and then um, we are starting season two and we're kind of changing the format up a little bit to make it a little more uh, manageable to get the reading done but also for our listeners to get the reading done so instead of last last year how we read like we did like we backloaded five episodes or something and then released them weekly that was just like way too rapid fire uh, which we see that now um, for people to read along so we are starting that on Thursday and we were starting out with a book called the hidden wound, which was uh, Barry, a book Barry wrote when he was 35 uh, to, 
to make sense out of his family's history with slavery. Um, so it's a pretty intense read, but um, it's kind of like an extended essay, like a, about 90 pages, but where he's just try, trying to come to terms with his own family's history with slavery and then um, trying to understand what he calls the hidden wound that it leaves on the entire country for like, you know, generations to come. Yeah. So that's the first uplifting read. <laughs> <laughs> only gets only gets more uplifting from the membership, but it is it's an excellent book. So yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about it. But uh, yeah, that's it for me. Tim, where does, you, where does oh, one go to find your membership Patreon? Oh, thank you for asking. It is uh, <laughs> is patreon.com slash membership pod. And I think we've got like five levels and most of them involve, uh, as far as rewards, some sort of uh, personalized correspondence from from us the hosts for now and that's that's the that's the plan so yeah if, you, if you're willing to donate even just a dollar a month really would appreciate that it's uh, patreon.com slash membership pod the one you'll definitely want to do is the 500 dollars month portion which is where tim will come to your house uh once a week and cook you dinner no matter where you live and then i'll bring a tattoo kit and you will give me a tattoo kit a tattoo every time i come and cook <laughs> dinner uh, perfect so, yeah <laughs> Damn. So, so what's the level to get you to record the greeting for my voicemail? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that was the Carl Castle. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, I'll do it for you for free, Johnny. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. <laughs> we'll All right, this later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off the air. Um, How about you, Andy? What I I don't have a lot of like regular fresh points it's been it's been a eventful two weeks and i haven't really sat down and had time to like do good stationary stuff um but one thing we have been talking about is uh since we last recorded um we have been giving a re- given a really interesting opportunity um by one of the planners of the uh baltimore dc area pen show um to come and record a live episode um, in person at the pen show. So um, it's late February, and we really think we want to do it. Um, you know, as, as listeners of the show will know, we have never, ever gotten together, the three of us, in person. Um, and we, we think in order to, like, you know, get me there and get Tim there and get us um, a couple of hotels for the night um, and, like, you know, get together, that would be approximately $2,000. Um, we don't know, we don't really know how to make that happen yet. Um, we don't know if it's like doing a big Patreon push ourselves or if it's trying to sell like some product for a markup and get people to kind of help us fundraise or or what. Um, I kind of want to stay away from Kickstarter for reasons. Um, a, because like I don't think we have kind of the scale that like the pen addict, pen addict does with Kickstarter. And then also B, Kickstarter has uh, proven itself to be under kind of some kind of like crappy management lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what's coming yet. I would love to know your ideas, um, dear listeners. Um, and if somebody just wants to send us uh, $2,000, that'd be great. <laughs> we'll all get your name tattooed. <laughs> You'll get hugs. Uh, We'll get hugs. Um, but but do keep in mind that, you know, remember long ago we have committed to getting matching or complimentary tattoos. Um, I have no tattoos uh, myself. I so. do not either. Look, if yeah. this happens, uh, I'm going to book my favorite guy 
Yeah. And like he does great work and he's really, really cool. Yeah. It's a cool spot of town. We'll go buy some pencils. So we have we have until uh, late Feb. Well, this happens in late February, so I guess we should probably actually get tickets and stuff like beforehand. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know <laughs> w- what format this will take, but please uh, save some room in your budget to throw a little <laughs> money our way, so we can get together and record you a live episode um, and get some tattoos. Yes, yeah. and we'll definitely be planning some cool stuff for that live episode. Yeah, if for you sure. want to fly to Baltimore, you could come watch. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, we'll sell twenty dollars hugs. Twenty dollars. Yeah, I've gotten hugs from Andy and Tim. Twenty dollars is a steal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, keep that in mind. Um, Yeah, that's it for me. How about you, Johnny? Um, I only have a couple too. Also, um, last weekend was a festival in um, Baltimore called Hamden Fest, where one of the events is like they have toilet bowl races, where you race toilet bowls down a street. So <laughs> it's what it sounds like. Like people make them with like go-karts or like skateboards or bikes. And, uh, you know, the cool ones are never that fast. Yeah. But, that sounds like fun, but you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So my parents had a little cookout and the folks from right. Notepads came and hung out and complimented my children, which was fun. And, uh, I think Chris was afraid of my mother's turtles. My mother has readier sliders in a little pond and they've gotten enormous. So like they should do a slider edition. That would be cool. You should do a turtle um, edition. Oh, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> um, But speaking of editions, we didn't talk about the um, 7th anniversary edition last week. Oh, shoot, you're right. That Right Notepads came out with. Yeah. Um, for this one, they went back to the pure binding and um, a box, which was awesome. The box is sort of like, it's like a craft color, and the notebooks are, they're not supposed to be autumnal. I think they're not doing seasons anymore, but... Um, they're a super autumnal. It's like burgundy, and they're almost like a sideways corduroy with uh, copper st- copper stamping and red lines. They're so pretty. Somebody in the Erasable group mentioned this, uh, but I think it's bear- bears repeating. Like the the photos and the renderings of it do not do it justice. Like that red with that copper is just gorgeous. And the red lines, like that was that's wound up being my favorite thing. Yeah, they're so pretty. It's they- just the right red. Do they still have them in stock? I think they're still in stock somehow. Why well, they didn't make as few as they did for um, like the Fourth July edition that was like two hundred forty-three. I think that was like that was just fun to do. But uh, yeah, according to the website, they're still available for twelve ninety-nine. Did I tell and you what I did with mine? No. I so I've like when I sent out the Plumbago issue, I bought a bunch of stamps. Um, I bought the like Moon Landing stamp edition, and I bought the um the like intercontinental railroad edition and i decided to post one of each stamp variety in that notebook with the date of when i got it and some quick thoughts about it and i'm going to start a little stamp collection awesome cool yeah i started doing that in um a moleskin japanese book that i've had laying around but with like adhesive stamps you can't get the stamps off envelopes or at least i can't so um i just kind of cut them and glue them with a muji glue stick just not as cool as yours. <laughs> I'm just like haphazard. Like this is too cool to throw away. I'm just sticking the stamp book. But um, in other pocket notebook news, today is Monday, September 30th, and tomorrow is the release of Field Notes. Yay! So super excited. There, the picture was a close up of an oak leaf, which has nothing to do with it until you know what it is, and then it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I. 
I was like, maybe we should rampantly speculate, but they do a really good job of not providing like any details for speculation. Like, like I feel like Blackwing has occasionally kind of flubbed and, you know, given too much away, but field notes never does that. No. Yeah. Um, the, when was the last time they did an autumnally one? Shenandoah? And they did. Yeah. Didn't they say, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but in the, the email about the upcoming edition, didn't they say something very vague, but sort of informative about how it's sort of a back to basics edition or something like that? Yeah. Or am yeah. I inventing that in my head? No, yeah. I think you're right. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, you're right. <clears throat> yeah. We're there. So maybe we're going to get like some solid color. Love that. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think that would be very cool. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine had a good idea when they did Shenandoah, how they did the, um, the green of the trees on the outside and the autumn colors inside, they should reverse it. And pick three other trees. Oh yeah. And make the, the autumn on the outside that which in retrospect would have made a hell of a lot more sense than putting green. Although they I guess that way they matched a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that was one of my favorite editions. I love that one. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It, it's way too low hanging fruit and they're not gonna do it, but it still would be cool if it existed if they did an edition that just kind of mimicked the color spectrum of like a leaf changing, you know, Ooh, like yeah. six, like six books. Uh, it's like they're different, all different that have like the six colors all the way from green to brown, like, and then mm. changing to like yellow or orange in the middle. That'd be really cool. That yeah, would make did... me super nostalgic for autumn because uh, we don't really have autumn out here. So, no, yeah, we don't need any more either. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we've banished it apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, should we jump into our main topic? Yeah. What to do with full notebooks. Uh, can you give us some uh, kind of background about how we came to this topic? Because I thought you had some good good thoughts. Oh, uh, Tim Tim came up with it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I came up with it just in recently uh, thinking about some of my old notebooks. And I've been a pretty you know, fairly regular morning pages person for a while now and i have a lot of and i just was just sort of thinking about i have a lot of notebooks where i've written with like zero filter um in some ways that you know which of course is like a great thing and like makes me happier like it makes my brain happier but, but at the same time i like literally had moments where i was like what if i died <laughs> <laughs> and people read this because life is hard and i say some crazy stuff when life is hard <laughs> you know like um, but also not just that sort of paranoia, but also wrestling with the idea of, I don't think all of these field notes that I've got around have things in them worth keeping, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not one. And I, there's, I think there's nothing wrong with, with this. Cause I know there are lots of people who are, I don't ever look at them like ever. So I don't need to like see them all on a shelf together. Like all of my used editions, um, piled up. Yeah. So I was just, yeah, it just was a, a subject that I, seemed kind of ripe for talking because I've started to discard some uh, notebooks and trying to maybe even think of some kind of system for how to do it in a way that is uh, like kind of mindful and, and, and useful. So one thing that um, I thought this topic was, was kind of a good segue from was um, an essay in our latest issue of Plumbago by Toffer. Um, he wrote about... Um, like throwing his, he wrote about like transitions and traveling and getting on the road. And the first part was about how he threw his uh, moleskin notebooks into the bonfire to like, you know, to mark a, um, 
like lightening of his load in his life and and kind of moving on from that. So I thought that was a just a good image of just like you know what what this topic is going to cover was that that essay. So if you um, yeah definitely yeah and actually if you um, don't have a copy of the newest Plumbago, a you should go buy it. But b if you go to Toffer's website, which is itstoffer.com, and go to the writing section, he um, he has the text from that there. So oh cool yeah. You can read that. The show notes. But also, if you um, if you buy the issue, you will also get these really great little um, illustrations to go along with it by Alfred mm-hmm. Lee, who is a friend of friend of the show. So, yeah. So anyhow, good good kind of like intro to the topic of how to get rid of your full notebooks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how should we do this? Just go down topic by topic. Yeah, you posed a bunch of questions to us, yeah. and we can just. Kind I feel of, like, yeah. yeah, so like we're interviewing ourselves. Yeah, this is extra weird because because I came up with the questions, <laughs> <laughs> or a lot of them. So, um, first off, what kinds of things do you write in your notebooks? Like, are they more like what you think of as a notebook full of notes or journal entries or commonplace books or something I'm missing? Mm-hmm. I feel like mine land in. I have like four categories. One is the sort of like catch-all brain dump field notes, you know, lists, little things that I'm just trying to keep track of, right? Um, And then I've got ones that are journals or like morning pages books. And then I've got some that are like focused on, like I've got a, right here, sitting next to me, I've got a barren fig, the one that's got like the blank on one side and dots on the other, that's full of work stuff. And then uh, the last one is ones that I, I do like long form writing in like drafting stories or things like that. So I feel like that's, that's, they always fall into one of those four categories in general. The one that you mentioned commonplace book, I'm going to come back to that later because that's one that I've always wanted to like take more seriously as a, as a way of gathering cool stuff. Um, and I've got some ideas about that. I'm going to share at some point, but, but that's me. That's, I mean, it's, that's, oh. they, they usually fall into those categories. Mine, mine would probably broadly fit those categories but i would say the vast majority of the stuff that i've you know keep in notebooks lately are um kind of those first two just like you know lists and planning and things like that um i feel like so much of my writing lately has been focused mostly around both work and creative projects like this podcast and plumbago and things like that i have not really had the brain space to just sort of like get this stuff out of my head um, mm-hmm. get like, you know, personal stuff and thoughts and feelings. Um, so I would say mostly, mostly it's lists, um, and some things like meeting notes or if I'm going to a conference or if I'm listening to something. Um, but then also some like concept planning, I guess too. And, and a little bit of journaling. I, tr- I try to c- keep like a separate journal, um, uh, in like a, like a special little field notes. I was inspired by Larry when he was on, um, but that is definitely fallen by the wayside compared to my other, my other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? Um, so I don't know how to categorize this. My books are full of like stuff my kids said that are, that are funny or like, um, you know, interesting piece of new research about excessive coffee consumption or um, <laughs> like writing ideas, like reflective entries, processing entries, like therapy homework, like my I feel like my notebooks are like overflow, like a, a micro SD card for my brain <laughs> that's in my pocket. <laughs> like I'm, I have that's a great way I'm, to put it. 
Yeah. I have I have memory problems and processing problems that that uh paper definitely helps with. But then that, you know, this raises a lot a lot of these questions are hitting home for me because everything I have is potentially, you know, should I burn this because this is kind of personal or also should I burn this because this is useless information. Mm-hmm. But um so more specifically, like when we talk about these things that we're writing in, what are you writing in? Like what kind of notebooks? My, I think my, me and Andy, I think have the exact same answer. I mean, most of it is like a five hardcover, like a confidant or pocket notebooks is what I'm, Yeah, those are the ones that I'm mostly dealing with. Like, what do I do with these? Some of the ones that I save are like the bigger ones. The ones that I'm like, I mean, the ones that I'm like drafting stories in and stuff like that and doing that sort of long form writing. Um, that kind of thing is never going to go anywhere. Like I'm never getting rid of that, rid of that stuff. Do you still so have that one, big old, um, Lich term master book? Oh I yeah. Used, I used it today. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I've got it in the back of my classroom at a desk that I, when I take, when I get time to, to read, I'll, I'll go back there and sometimes write in that. So yeah, like things like that are never going anywhere. So the, the only ones I'm kind of contemplating what to do with are pocket notebooks and then, yeah, the sort of confidant moleskin kind of shape. Uh, I think I I think I always kind of default to like a fields note field notes ish notebook. Fields notes. Field, yeah, fields, <laughs> if you have fields, multiple, it's called fields, fields notes. notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that or that or something similar. Um, and and then also like I I've been I probably had used a Baron Fig Confidant for the last four A five notebooks that I've used, which which. For me, I go through them so slowly as like a year, uh, like a couple years, maybe three or four years. Um, but I think the next one I'm going to use that um, that red dot grid. Um, what is it called? The red dot edition? The raspberry honey? No, the oh. I'm going to use the witch term. The red um, red dot edition. Is that what it's called? Mm. Yeah. The one that has like the blue, like there like the color on the side of the yeah. Page. My yeah, um, those are pretty. Those my friend awesome. Michael Michael Metz sent me a um, blue one, and it has like that red lined pages with the red dot grid inside. And I think I'm going to use that as my next one. Awesome. Yeah. It's very super many. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I use everything. Yeah. So, you do. Like, I've always got a pocket notebook because my kids like to color, which I may or may not have something to do with. And, you know, we like to go to coffee shops and sometimes they get impatient or, you know, we'd stop at the store and my brain is useless. So I have to write everything down. But um, usually I try to break it up. Every once in a while with something bigger or like a pocket moleskin, which is, well, you know, it's the same size as the field notes. It's a totally different kind of book because, you know, it feels more permanent. You can't put it in your jeans pocket without looking like you're carrying two phones or something else in your pocket. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I even like, I like composition books lately. I have a large stack of decomposition books here with, uh, for want of something to do with them because they're so pretty. You collect yeah. them. They are so awesome. We were in a, Asheville the other day and went into a store that had it was this like swanky bar slash bookstore it was like um but they had just like a wall of decomposition notebooks like tons uh, of them, like, piled mm. to the ceiling it was pretty cool um, yeah I feel like like everybody has a different selection of those so I have not resorted to buying them online so if there's mm-hmm. one I want I just like hunt everywhere for it yeah so I was looking for the treehouse one I finally found it I'm very happy yeah, I think I spilled coffee on it before I got it home, so now it's more special. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. on the cover, ex- extra decomposed. Yeah. yeah. But um, so this is kind of jumping the gun here. But how would you decide to what to do with a notebook once it's full? <laughs> yeah. 
like how do you decide whether you're going to you know scan it um sort of store it or you know burn it give it to somebody can can i go first because i have the laziest answer (laughs) yeah I always, 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 always say that because <laughs> I am a hoarder. Infor- inf- yes, <laughs> I was going to say information hoarder, but like I think sure, yeah. straight up hoarder works too. Um, yeah. Information collector. Yes, <laughs> I. I'm also. I mean, and I do the same with my digital files. Curator. Like I, I never throw files away. I have, I have text files from like eighth grade because I. Wow don't like to get rid of them i I go i take pains to archive them um so i always save them um but also i rarely complete them because as i mentioned before i go through these notebooks slowly um i have kind of tiny handwriting and i i'm really bad about like like i use i try to use up a whole page so i like go through them super slowly um and then there's also a lot of stuff i write and save online too or on the internet too because um no sorry on the computer just for work and collaboration purposes, but um, so I, so I basically have a bunch of half-filled notebooks because I get bored with them, or there's something new and shiny that I move on to. Mm. Um, when you got a closet full of notebooks, that tends to happen. Oh God, yeah, and, <laughs> and I also just have a like I, just all these notebooks I have saved um, just in a drawer on a shelf. So I definitely like don't like digitize them or try to archive them i just like keep them around so yeah. i'm just making That's... extra junk for somebody when i die yeah <laughs> that that the whole like digitizing notebooks thing has never really appealed to me like i i've 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 thought about it i know like some people do it and they have like special scanners and stuff that people use to to do that and i've th- thought about about it a couple different times over the last 5 years or whatever but it's yeah. just something that's never seemed like it's kind of for me it's kind of like seeing my own or like hearing my own voice in a recording like yeah. i don't like look forward to that necessarily well, the, so like um the the chaos of those notebooks doesn't like when i look back at an old field notes it doesn't feel kind of like yeah. oh man well, the, look how look how sloppily i wrote <laughs> you know like <laughs> coffee filters the usefulness whatever. for me if you don't if you don't care about like the archival and kind of the longevity aspect mm-hmm. of it is um if you import it into something like Evernote or something that has really, really good handwriting recognition, you can you can suddenly make your notebook searchable, which I think I can really see the benefit of. Like, yeah, you know, if I was think trying to think about like some band name or if I wanted to like search by date or something like that, you could take them and put them in, into Evernote, which has really, really good handwriting recognition. And how does it do with cursive? Um, it's not bad. I tend okay. to write in cursive. Mine is kind of oh, okay. a eighty percent cursive, twenty percent print kind of like mishmash and cool. it's that's mine too so yeah. i was just curious about that. it does a pretty good job with that um i've written definitely written some things like big sloppy things that it just can't deal with at all but yeah most it's okay can i tell you guys my my new plan yeah i've hatched a new plan that i feel pretty good about um and i am doing it proudly in a erasable <laughs> 100 episode uh notebook from a barren fig or yellow yeah. ones that we made. And so uh, there's a book I've talked about it. It was probably a long time ago, but I've got this book called the wheeling year by Ted Kuzer. And he's a, he's one of my favorite poets and he has this book and he, he, he splits it up. I think it's, I'm here. I've got it right here. I think it's by, yeah, it's by month. And so he splits it up by month and it's just, he was inspired by a friend of his, who's a painter who just in order to prepare like 
for a big project, he carries the sketchbook and he goes around and like sketches stuff that he sees or whatever. And he always loves looking through his friend's notebooks. And so he tried to make like the poet's version. And so there are all these like little sketches. So nothing is longer than like half a page, you know, uh, but he's describing someone that he's seeing somewhere or a bird that he saw or whatever, you know, all this stuff that's just kind of raw materials for poetry. And it just gave me the idea that, I think one thing I'm going to try to do is to establish like a for real legit commonplace notebook where um, I can go through in kind of a similar fashion whenever I finish a, a notebook, like a field, especially like a field notes notebook, I can go through, put the date range because I, I usually do a really good job of putting the dates, you know, in on the first page or whatever, yeah. put the date range in and then just flip through and just kind of like if I see something that's worth writing that like is worth remembering, then it's worth writing down again. I'll copy it down, put a line across the page, you know, find the next entry that's worth saving, line across the page, and then just um, repeat, you know, and just do that for a while. And then that'll be a place where I can sort of gather the the thoughts and even make them. It feels, I don't know, for some reason it feels like even a little more special to me if it's being written down again, which is a little tedious, but not that much because in a 48-page field notes, I'm probably only going to write down like five or six things that are actually worth worth holding on to. I love that idea. That's it's sort of like the kind of like oral tradition of communications, but applied to writing. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm doing that. Um, I, and I'm going to go through some old field notes that I actually had recently just marked for destruction. Like I was just going to burn them, which yeah. I, I will do at some point. I do have a, a slight part of me that is considering, um, I'm not a, I'm 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 no good with visual art, but I part of me I do, I do love the way that a field notes cover looks when it's all beat up, and so I thought about cutting the covers off of all mm-hmm. my editions and just keeping the covers, and trying to create some kind of collage out of all those, like sort of mangled field notes covers eventually. Mm-hmm. So I might do that and then just like say goodbye to the rest of the notebook and copy over the things that are, you know, worth it. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So that's that's my idea. So that's like that wheeling year idea, which is just a place to 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 gather ideas. And I don't just I just don't feel too precious about them. Um, at least I don't right now. So I should probably burn them while I don't feel precious, so that I don't <laughs> keep amassing huge crazy amounts of notebooks. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm really copying Andy's answer. I don't decide what to do with them. I save everything. <laughs> but um. I do have some that are earmarked for destruction, which is my new band name. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, that's a like good, I, that's I a like, solid band name right there. Everyone, I'm afraid if, if I throw this one away, that's full of just me bitching on paper. There's going to be something in there really awesome that my kid did that one day is going to make sense of something else they did as a grown up, and I won't be able to look it up. Yeah. So that makes that's, me feel anxious. That's one thing that I like. I, I definitely wrestle with is that like my morning pages kind of stuff i spend so much time just like getting all like the negative junk like out of my system like where i'm just like spewing it onto the page just to like clear my head it's like clearing the cobwebs out or whatever and then i i do sort of like cringe about looking back on that and you know things like you know marriage is difficult and so sometimes you're like trying to figure out how to like do a good job at that and so you're saying things and like evaluating situations and hashing things out and maybe sometimes not being super fair and it's like um i i I, if my parents left those behind i think i would definitely see the sort of like fascination with it 
yeah. of like being able to have that sort of like insight into the brain of a person. But um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I have to think more on that. I think the pocket notebook stuff is different, but that stuff is, a, that gives me, that makes me a little scared just cause that's like my brain living in a notebook because my brain can't function without a notebook. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you do, discard a notebook so this mostly is a question for tim um what do you do do you like shred it and recycle it I've, do you burn it that's what i was just like i've got them all i've got some of them that have been like sort of like set aside to just like destroy and i didn't throw them away but i think i am going to burn them was kind of what i was thinking in recent days or whatever uh but i still am i'm thinking about that idea of of uh Detaching the cover and saving the covers of some of these. Mm. Um, bring them to Baltimore. Bring them to Baltimore with you. They and could we'll, be, uh, you know, we'll 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 be, be rewards. We'll, we'll do like a. I'll just give them away. <laughs> we'll, just, actually, we'll you autograph. Could bring, you could bring your notebooks, <laughs> and, and nobody will throw, want them. Yeah. <laughs> we could throw our notebooks in the Jones oh. Falls River for the trash wheel. Yes. You guys seen the trash wheel? Oh, I have seen here? the trash wheel. Yeah. Well, feed yeah. them to the trash wheel. They'll get recycled. <laughs> Feed them to the trash wheel. <laughs> That's only the in Baltimore. Does that make any sense? <laughs> Feed them to the trash wheel. <laughs> Episode title, one hundred percent. So, I think the fire is really the only appropriate method to get rid of something like this. That's got a piece of you in it. Mm-hmm. As much as I guess recycling, it would make more sense. Like, could I buy a carbon credit? Because I burned like three hundred used field notes. <laughs> but these days, man, like, I'm not sure. Do something with the fire. Recycling is even real. <laughs> and hearing true. so much so much stuff about recycling that I'm just like, what? Yeah. There's, From there's what like I understand, like scientists telling you like you're better off throwing plastic bottles in a landfill. I'm like, oh, don't say that. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> we have good um, hopes for paper. It's easy to recycle. Yeah. Well, easier than plastic. Yeah. And with hey, with the um, the loosening of um, regulations around pollution, um, <clears throat> feel free <throat> to burn. Burn your notebooks with no consequences. <laughs> Just oh. sit them in front of a certain address in Washington before you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, so this is like a weird question that I guess I only asked because I have an answer for it. Um, do you have any future forward measures that are in place for your notebooks? If uh, it's a better way of saying this, like if you couldn't take care of them yourself, like because you were dead or you know, incapacitated in some way. So guys, I've been meaning to talk to you about something. Um, <laughs> in the, in, in the case of my death, I'm going to need you to fly <laughs> to Tennessee and, uh, and take care of a few things for me. Look, um, I will hike down there. There's some things Girl buried in the backyard stuff. that I need you to dig up. There's instructions <laughs> already underground. Um, and then there's the notebooks to deal with. Um, there's that, oh, um, <laughs> there's, there's that big container in the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just gigantic. Uh, Ignore the smell. Looming in the corner. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't have a plan, but I probably should have a plan. Um, unless, you know, a shout out to Milligan College. If you're looking to uh, establish my papers at your school uh, in the archives, you can just let me know and I'll save everything. I won't burn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the collected papers of Tim Watson, which are like the most mundane, boring things of all time. Uh-huh. Be sort of like a modern art exhibit of like, just like, Ooh, what? Yeah. what is he doing? What is this? Why? He's been complaining about not writing for six years in his notebook. 
All uh, of his writings about not writing. All of his writings about not writing enough. I, you know, j- jokingly, I said that same thing in our planning doc. I was like, I assume, <laughs> you know, all of my writing will be donated to a museum. I just saw um, <laughs> But, um, like, seriously, though, I, I do, like, I w- have gone through, like, some of my, my when my grandfather died, um, Actually, when my sorry, when my grandmother died, I found a bunch of kind of like little like engineer notebooks and things that my grandfather wrote. And I had just had a really great time just like looking through them. And they were they were not like there was no he was not really a writer. He basically just like made little diagrams and kept kept some notes and some lists. And my father has written some old like like I have some of his old school notebooks where he had like doodles or notes to himself or something in addition to the like, you know, the, the stuff he wrote for class. And I'm super interested in that, and I don't know if I'm unusual in that way, um, but I I guess I assume that when I die, uh, Katie's just going to get disgusted by them if she outlives me and th- will throw them away, but <laughs> but if not, my, you know, I don't have kids, but like my, my nieces and nephew, um, it'd be amazing if they look through it and just spend a little time thinking about like, huh, that's interesting. Like, you know, a- Uncle Andy sure did have a lot of like, Something called Fresh Points. I don't know what those are. There's no books. What the hell's a podcast? <laughs> there's a there's a giant uh, single page that just says Patreon levels for Erasable. That <laughs> that means nothing to somebody in in 50 years. <laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. But, yeah, but this the idea of like kind of pondering that is something that kind of like tickles me and. I hope can be like a legacy as inscrutable as it may be to you know somebody in the future. Yeah, that's admirable. Yeah, and well put. So, yeah. What um, do you think, Johnny? I have an elaborate pact with um, a friend of mine, <laughs> who uh, we joke that we're life mates. Like Dan and I, have, we've been friends so long, we have every reason to expect that when we're dead or dying, we'll still be friends. So. We have a pact that whoever dies first burns the other's journals. Hmm. But like, see, why why wouldn't you want to save some of them, Johnny, for your kids? Mine? Well, I I'm I'm planning <laughs> yeah, on my kids. You're marking certain <laughs> ones, like okay. burn this box. Yeah. But yeah. so that, that's that's something else to talk about later, like how I'm trying to pull some stuff out yeah. in case there's a burn. But um, my friend's a fireman, so that's uh, that's ironic, <laughs> and like. In all honesty, we'll probably go camping when we're in our seventies and burn all of our books and like use the flames to boil coffee or cook food. That that coffee's gonna taste gross. <laughs> yeah. Especially with like the old paper. moleskins full yeah. of vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> so um on the other end, why would you preserve a journal or a notebook? Um, like why, for whom? And like I mean, I think it's a relevant question. How long? I guess I guess I mean I don't have kids myself and I really don't have you know plans to have kids but I I really do love the way that Larry Grimaldi uses and saves his notebooks um mm-hmm. when he came on to just kind of talk about that um I I really I think that you know his kids are going to be just like super happy and like are going to treasure those things someday so I love the idea of keeping a record maybe not specifically for um like people in the future, but, but like with, with people in the future in mind, um, 
I it is it is like I think I've read a New Yorker article once about how you know all of the writing that people write nowadays are kind of locked behind passwords and are in pixel form that yes can live on forever on the internet but are kind of like largely ungathered and and hard know, to very get hard to get to and hard to piece together because they're tweets you know short form so the idea that like you know there can still be sort of these like narrative records um even if they're in paper form and not like you know preserved forever on the internet um are just just something that really appeals to me um so i i love the idea that maybe someday there's somebody who would who would see this stuff i wrote and go through it so my 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 plan is to like you know have 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 like keep in mind that maybe it'll stick around forever i doubt that would ever actually be the case but that's a good interesting goal for me to aspire to because because of aforementioned digital hoarding Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're like, How about you, Tim? I, it's something I'd like to think about, and uh, yes. I insist on it actually happening. So, whoever's out there, please keep my yeah. notebooks forever. Don't throw them away. Right. Um, I yeah. Um, I think I don't know what to do with this exactly because a lot of this conversation has kind of made me think differently about some things, and it is a pretty appealing idea to be a sort of analog bridge for people and your family in the future. Right. Um, as things get so digitalized all the time that like there will be a time it's really depressing to me to think about like which I don't think it would happen really, but like just the, the idea of my family sitting down at a computer and like trying to figure out all my passwords or something. Yeah. To like do or you know, to like gather some information. Like that's just really depressing. So um much less depressing than them like opening up a cardboard box that's just like stocked full of you know, Simpsons themed moleskins and like, uh, in these commonplace books or something where they can look through and kind of get this little, yeah, it's like a little, uh, museum exhibit mm-hmm. or, or something that you have to slow down and look at and yeah. judge, judge in whatever direction you judge it. It makes me think of the book, uh, the Marilyn Robinson novel Gilead, which is, mm. It's not like journal form or sort of is, but it's like the whole book is this like 70 year old who has a young child, like late in his life ends up having this young child with his, um, his like second wife, whose name is Lila. And, uh, but he is writing kind of an account of just a lot of stories and just kind of gathering some things that are going on in his head for his son to read one day. Cause he knows that by the time this kid gets out of high school, he's probably going to be gone. Yeah. So, um, and that's really kind of a, a a touching related concept that now I'm sort of kicking around in my head because not that it's going to be something profound, uh, but just that it's going to be something that is, you know, um, a way to, and not in a sort of prideful way, but a way to kind of live on a little yeah. bit or like, cause I'd like to think that hopefully my family will miss me, <laughs> when I'm gone. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. my kids will miss me when I'm gone and it, it is pretty appealing to have something, uh, something that you were, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intentional yeah. about, like yeah. something that you were intentional about leaving behind, as opposed yeah. to just like, let's scroll through Grandpa's Twitter feed. Woo! <laughs> he sure was mad about that president <laughs> or his his browser history. Like, yeah, Grandpa yeah. was a oh, pervert. Oh god. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a really good thought. And like, it's something, there's the idea of like, you know, my, my notes to myself and something that's more curated, like some of my 
favorite things are um, my uh, my grandparents uh, at some point took all of their home movies between like the 50s and the 70s and put them on VHS and did like this kind of like narration over it because they're mostly mm-hmm. silent movies. And that's a, just a super fantastic memory and something that like uh, even though I, I no longer have a VHS player, a way to watch it. Um, note to self, I should probably try to figure out how to digitize those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the idea that like, like going back to what Larry does um, with his notebooks, um, just something kind of like curated curated for for your kids is really great yeah 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 um i keep mine because um this is with t two tmi for various reasons i don't have a very good memory all the time so there's so much of like my brain and my consciousness in those books mm-hmm. that it doesn't exist in my head anymore that i would lose if i got rid of them Someday when we try to upload you to the singularity, Johnny, we'll have to use those to, for reference. Have you seen the movie Transcendence? Uh-huh. Like, you, could, you could create a very, very angry version of me out of my notebooks. It would not be as good looking as Johnny Depp. But um, yeah, like, and even besides my kids, like, there's stuff in there I need to remember and be able to look back up for various reasons. Sounds like government code. Um, oh my my whistle blowing <laughs> and uh, is your game. name really Johnny Gamber or are you in the, are you in the witness <laughs> protection program or something? Did I just blow your cover? <laughs> I did have a thing in my notes. You just hear footsteps running away. Like <laughs> I did have a thing in my notes that I needed to spend some time reviewing this thing at Adobe um, called Project Skyline, which is just like a boring like thing we're doing but i accidentally wrote it as project skyfall which sounds a lot more <laughs> mysterious <laughs> than i think that... of it's, now it sounds like james bond instead right, of yeah. uh, instead of chili or something yeah right exactly <laughs> chili spaghetti you know mm-hmm. um, so i'm i would like to think more about like what you guys are talking about with family and saving my notebooks for other people but right now i'm really just saving them for me yeah you're not writing it down to remember it later you're writing it down to remember it now <laughs> or I'm ready to remember it much later. Yeah. <laughs> running yeah. because my brain doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm I, adding middle age to it. That's not helping. My family has a, a sort of a history uh, with Alzheimer's, which I know a lot do. But like that now has me thinking about that. Like, um, I wonder what kind of, I wonder if there's any research that's been done or any information about how the effects of having old, old journals would be for people who are suffering from something like that or if you know maybe it would make it worse i don't know but like having sort of written accounts of things i can't imagine it would make it worse but that would be that would be a, something sort of grim but it's just something to think about you know yeah absolutely um so moving back to the practical what do you do with the books that you are preserving or archiving or that you plan to preserve or archive big plastic tub <laughs> I don't even, what do you what do you do with yeah. the plastic tub? It's in the garage. Hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the yeah, no. <laughs> There are candles I, around it, and it's you know, no, there's an American flag draped over the top of it, and there are <laughs> candles surrounding <laughs> it. And, <laughs> Somebody wrote, "Keep out, no girls allowed." I'm big permanent marker. <laughs> yeah. The girls are spelled with a with a U. 
<laughs> no, I have no, uh, I have, I have no um, effort made toward trying to keep them like preserved. So they're just sitting in a drawer or um, like one of those like IKEA cubes, right? Like I have, and then I have some at my, just some at work, just sitting on my desk that are in no way preserved. So it's the laziest possible thing you could do. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Johnny? Um, I also have mine in plastic boxes that just live in my half of the um, walk-in closet in our bedroom, which is cedar-lined. Ha ah, other cedar. But um, yeah, like I, 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 I had ordered them at some point, but like it's I can't do it. Field notes don't fit in a box in any way that you can stack them without them falling over. Mm. And then like I. It took me a couple nights to get some of them in order. I'm like, this is really a waste of my the, the second half of my life. So there they sit in piles in boxes. And boxes are piled. Yeah. So yeah, they're safe, but they're not, you know, accessible very well. So that leads to the next question. Do you go back and read these books that you're keeping? Mm. We've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Depends on the stuff. I, like I've already said, I don't don't do the field notes books as much. Like those just kind of live out in obscurity. But my sort of journals, I, I definitely look back at. Um, it's, it's super fascinating to me sometimes to look back like one year ago and just see how different you were just one year ago. Yeah. Yep. I I definitely do. I am a very like nostalgic, sentimental person, and I I. Like I do that thing, like the Facebook memories. I look at that every day just to see what was going on. And I also, um, yeah, like if I encounter one of my old field notes or something, I'll just kind of like just idly page through it and see like, oh, yeah, look, I I remember when we recorded that episode of Erasable or I remember when like, you know, the the thing I was supposed to do for that that I never actually did or, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I actually did keep a pocket notebook journal kind of when I was going through that big transition five years ago from you know living in indiana and getting the job out here and and considering moving and that was a really i'm really glad that i kept that consistently at the time because every once in a while i'll just kind of like look back on that and be like oh yeah my life was like significantly different um and just mm-hmm. it's just nice to see what kind of mindset was i was in and to see how i've grown since then because i think that's that's really good so i i look at my my old writing very often which is one of the reasons i like to um to save it and i also try to put date timestamps to everything i write so sometimes i'll have just like you know like june june 22nd or something and i have no year and i'm like oh i really wish i remembered which year this was <laughs> um, so i try to i try to keep the year i try to timestamp everything that usually works out pretty well cool yeah what about you um, johnny so before i had kids i used to read them a lot um, cause they were mostly moleskins and moleskins are easy to read. And also, um, you know, I had a little more time without children running around. So that was a thing. But, um, lately, like the amount of things that I write down is ballooned so much that, you know, it's hard to pick up a book. So, like if I, if I pick up a field notes of the 48 pages, there might be three pages of notes in there that mean anything anymore that aren't just like venting or, you know, mental health stuff or, you know, random kid stuff. So I embarked on a project in the spring where I decided I was going to 
go through all my pocket notebooks and take out just like writing ideas. And I realized that I didn't make any notes when I had a writing idea. So I'm having to almost read them and skim them. And like, it's taking so effing long that I've <laughs> sort of stalled the project. And like, why did I do this? But, um, I picked it up a little bit this weekend when we were talking about this episode, but, um, yeah, I'm lately I read them just to find things that are worth reading and put them somewhere where they'll be easier to read, which currently is a the really fat large like A5 size moleskin. Mm. Which is a cool book. They're as fat as like the daily planners. Yeah. So uh yeah. Then I've also started keeping a moleskin daily planner because it's easier to look back at that if you just, you know, what did I do today? Yeah. And, you know, I, I really like the form factor. They're cute. Yeah. So, um, uh, this is a pencil podcast. But <laughs> oh, wait, what? Yeah, we don't, you know, we don't always use pencils. Yeah. Despite all of my really bad jokes at the beginning of our podcast. So, when you're writing in books that you want to keep, not like grocery lists, what do you use to write? Uh, lame answer, but everything. I mean, I when I flip through my notebooks, it's just all over the place. Lots of, well, I mean, I really, I'm, I'm either these days I'm using. I've got a, some fountain pens I still use, so you'll see that every once in a while. But mostly it is, uh, pencil. Uh, mostly, what I end up using most of the time is a, you know, for at least for the last like six months has been a black wing of some kind, and then, uh, yeah, gel pens. Just see those like all over the place. I also use that that uh, ballpoint refill that fits in the the Squire, the Schmidt ballpoint yeah. refill, not the rollerball one that comes with it. But I I always have like ten of those around the house, and it's I put it in all of my my Karis pens and all of my Retro Fifty Ones, like all those kind of pens. I I, I use that refill because I think it's the best refill in the world. So you see, I see that a lot for sure. Yeah. I mostly use pencils, um, but sometimes I like to break out my my pretty squires because they're so pretty. <laughs> um, and so, and sometimes I sometimes I use a like a like a bit crystal or something too. But it really is like at this point mostly mostly pencils. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? So um, everything. Hmm. Um, but I. You know, pencil is permanent, but I noticed for books that I expect to be handled a lot, I've switched over to Pigma Micron PNs, mm. which are uh, like the plastic nib. It's like a white plastic nib Micron um, that they designed for writing. So if you write with them, you don't mush them, which is cool. And they're really smooth. They're really sweet. But they only come in hmm. eight colors, and they don't have all the good ones. But um, yeah, like for my distilling project i'm like this is a book i'm going to handle a lot and i you know i have greasy hands i'm going to smear pencil all over the place especially <laughs> on a moleskin and um even gel pens like if you have sweaty hands you start spearing those around after a while but um that is a really weird l- lineup of micron pns i'm looking at jet pens and it's like rose and burgundy and red and blue and blue black and purple and sepia and black but no like green no yeah no r- green orange yeah Huh. I mean that that burgundy is really nice. I've been using the the heck out of one this week. Yeah. But you know, thinking autumn thoughts while I'm wearing shorts and sandals. Mm-hmm. I picked up a burgundy micron this week. 
Uh, it's a very nice was, color. When I was in Asheville at the at Malaprop's bookstore. Mm. So, um, yeah, it is a great color. Sort of like it's a little on the brown side, but I, I love it. Yeah, and they, um, you know, if you're doing a project with moleskins, you have to be extra careful of what you write with because they basically take a bit crystal kind of heavily. Like that shows through. Yeah. So microns, they tend to perform well on that paper. Um, I mean, I don't like them on other papers, but moleskin's good. So can you guys think of anything else to bring up? Oh, I don't think getting, so. I think we've been pretty exhaustive. Getting, I, I think we. Yeah, <laughs> I'd actually love really to, personal. Yeah, I'd love and to I've put got out a call to action to our listeners. Like, I if there's anybody here who, you know, has an interesting system of sort of like, you know, either disposing of or keeping around your notebooks, like something that you really stick to. I'm really interested in hearing it because I would love to have. Yeah, especially um. Yeah. How you decide? Yeah, absolutely. So let us know. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to uh, revisit this topic. It, once we, if we do get some feedback from y'all, if we could revisit this in a month or so and say like, uh, and just do like a segment where we we sort of lay out some options. Like, here are some systems that people are doing to keep track of their of their writing in these notebooks, and maybe we could pick out like I don't know six to ten of them that seemed like really good ideas, to, and then surely that'll help somebody out there who's trying to figure out what to do. Yes, it would. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yes yes i was uh, so that's a guy a friend of mine on facebook and his wife he posted a quote from his wife and his wife asked him if he likes molasses and he says i don't even like moles um, <laughs> um so I was, I was proud of him for that but <laughs> all right well can for ending on dad jokes yeah <laughs> Can you tell folks where to find you on the interwebs, Tim? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wassum, and I'm on Instagram for some reason at Timothy Wassum. <laughs> and the membership podcast. And membership pod at all of the things. Yes. How about you, Andy? Uh, I'm at uh, andy.wtf on internet and uh, woodclinch.com if you want to see writing I've written in the past but haven't done in a long time. Um, so I, you could find me at PencilRevolution.com and on social media at Pencilution. And we are the Erasable Podcast. You can find us on social media at Erasable. You can find our website at Erasable.us. Tonight's episode 125 will be at Erasable.us slash 125. You can check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Erasable Podcast. And the Facebook group that justifies the existence of facebook groups not only for us but for facebook in general i have this on good authority and i'm writing you can check out our group at <laughs> facebook.com slash groups slash just erasable thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon do you like our podcast most people like our podcast but if you don't like our podcast maybe we'll turn it off <laughs> <laughs>